Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. Uh, welcome back, Vince. You're feeling a little better? Thanks, yeah. You said, uh, as always, that that's clearly a lie, so... Well, no, I... Uh, I Okay, fine. As usual, joined by Vince and Zach. That's better. Vince. I figure I figure you guys bastardized the format last week, so I, I should throw a stink this week. Bastardized the format. Oh, uh, we... one of our best-received episodes of all time. <laughs> yes, I've already cried on separate, separate different occasions thinking about how how much praise you guys got for that episode without me. Look, it's not my fault they're creating a best podcast ever award and giving it to us for that episode, okay? It's just... I guess, you know, I could just leave the show, I guess. No. I, you, could, you could find another third or, or just be the DC2 if that's what everybody wants. I, no, I understand. No, we don't want that at all. I, I know when I'm not we, wanted. We just want you to acknowledge our success. That's all. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Anyway, we are back. Uh, back as the tricycle that we are. To talk about Millennium. Now, this is a uh, this is the third in our uh, in our crisis management series, as I've been calling it. Uh, this event they started in January of 1988, and um, was written by Steve Englehart and illustrated by Joe Staten. And uh, what the fuck is this, guys? <laughs> No uh, idea. I mean, it, where, where, it is, where? It's, it's, it's horny. It's kind of racist. Um, while, while also being weirdly progressive for the eighties. Um, it's, um, I don't know. It's nonsensical. It's long. Um, it's maybe the worst event crossover I've ever read. <laughs> Um, yeah, Zach, it is everything that you just said. It's, it is it. Okay. Here's the thing to have this actually be some kind of a discussion. I think, you know, I'm going to be fair to it that it's not all bad. There, there, there is some good stuff in there, but I think everything Zach says is true. This kind of is a big piece of crap, but, uh, I, I will say, I think it had its head in the right place in a lot of ways, and yet it completely bungles basically anything that it that it tries to do well or tries to be interesting about. You know, you, you would think it was written by Barf Sacco Crumbo. It's so bungled. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> a bungler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so can, can I give you guys my like? My log line I thought of for this book? Sure. It's as if Jeff Dunham found a Grant Morrison outline. Like, there, oh there, there's a lot of big-brained Grant Morrison ideas in this. Like, the Guardians have chosen seven people to represent the next... Uh, ten people to represent the next evolution of mankind. That's a very Grant Morrison idea. But then mm-hmm. Jeff Dunham did his racist puppets all over it. And that's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in here is as bad as Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. <laughs> I mean, some stuff's pretty close. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the thing. So we should talk about what the... So, Millennium. Kind of the, the, the basic intent of this series, if I'm understanding this correctly, was to inject 
a certain amount of diversity into the DC Comics uh, publishing line that wasn't there before. And they kind of wanted to do it all in one fell swoop to, to give it literally an injection um, of, of like seven or eight new diverse characters, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> so that's what I mean by the, by there being good intent because I think that I think that's always important. I think that um, it's important to have stories like that. And I think like, I think the idea of um, this, I don't, I don't really want to get in too much into the whole like SJW, anti SJW argument, you know, because I, I'm very much on the pro social justice side of things, but like, I, I just don't want to rehash all that. But I guess what I'm saying is like, these stories are important, but I feel like millennium is the exact wrong way to do it. And it, it demonstrates, it demonstrates why it's important to have diversity in the talent pool rather right. than just, rather right. than just the characters. Because imagine, imagine how much better any of these characters could have been if they were written by somebody who actually understood their point of view, you know, and, 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 you know, bless Steve Englehart's heart. I don't know what's in the man's uh, soul or, or what was in, you know, what he was thinking when he made this. But, like, clearly a lot of the good intentions were kind of bungled by just insensitive portrayals of certain types of characters or certain types of people. Probably unintentional, you know? But but nonetheless, nonetheless like, uh, disturbing to read. <laughs> <laughs> decades later in right. some ways right you know yeah <laughs> the 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 most of which being for me was the gay character who you know they, they kind of even dance around it because they never they come never out call him gay yeah they never call him gay they say something about him being a fruit which is yeah I, but he says it so it's okay but again like when you consider the, who the writer is I, I, and I'm I'm putting okay in quotation marks. It's yeah, not okay. I, you know, I, I you know thought, what I mean? Yeah, I thought he w was problematic. I think the the Jamaican. I yes. think she was Jamaican, right? She was like <laughs> yeah, Caribbean problematic. of some sort. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, a bit problematic there. Um, I don't even really know what to say about the South African character. <laughs> I was going to say he's not really problematic, but he's. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's here's bad. The, here's the thing: it's it's really weird because he's clearly he's clearly made out to be wrong. Like he's yes, he's made out to his worldview is meant in this story to be racist and wrong, and yet along the way he is still included at every step. In like, <laughs> have the, we really have we talked about like what the premise is here? Like why we're talking about all these people? <laughs> no, go oh, on. Oh no. no. Okay, well let's let's throw that in there really quick. We're talking about all these people of different backgrounds and ethnicities because the the crux of the story is that a a, a guardian, an Owen, you know, an Owen guardian, guardians of the universe, um, shows up with a Zamaronian. Zammer, I don't know the the female version of the guardians, and and they have been off, uh, you know, in space having a big space orgy for a while and then they they all they all come back and this particular couple decides to take that uh that manic energy that they have stored up and um the scene give, 
the scene where the guardian, where Harupa, Harupa, whatever his name is. Sure, yeah. Uh, where he says, he basically says, like, and then we fucked. Yeah. He says, do Yeah, we did. Yeah, he literally says, do it. Yeah. Um, he turns into Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Hang on. Wait, I have it right here. He says, uh, I, I screenshotted this. So, uh, it could, and so 22 pairs of us left this universe to do it. To do it. Yeah, to do it. To do it. So so they come back, this pair, and they're gonna give powers to ten humans that they've chosen to kind of like bring humanity to the next level. Um it ends up not being ten people for reasons. Um, and they're like, ah, that, you know, we, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We, yeah. thought, we thought a few of you would die, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> We had redundancies or whatever they say over. Yeah. They repeat that. Um, so they pick these ten individuals at random. Of the ten, only two are characters, pre-existing characters, um, and that is um, Tom, uh, aka Pie Pie Face. <laughs> um, Who, who's, uh, a, who's an old Green Lantern like sidekick, essentially? Yes. Yeah. Yes, played by Taika Waititi. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, in the 2011 Green Lantern movie, um, and then uh, the Floronic Man, Woodrow. What's his name? Woodrow. Jason Woodrow. Jason Woodrow. That's it. Which is which is interesting because like that's another one where he's chosen, and then at the end they're like. They're giving everybody the po- this is sorry spoiler alert we're skipping to the end here. Jump to the end. Yeah. They're, they're giving everybody out their powers and they get to Floronic Man and they're like, well, you already have powers, yeah. so you're good, right? <laughs> you're, you're good. You're good, right? Yeah. You're good. Like they didn't even think yeah. that far ahead. Well, it, it's like of the supposed ten by the end of the series, don't only six people yes get powers. Yeah, because, or six yeah, people have because, powers. Because Pie face one of, at the one of literal them... last minute is like, you know what, guys, I'm good, and they're like, okay, cool, <laughs> take it easy. Yeah. But then, then that, they, but they still kind of give them powers a little bit. Yeah, they're like secret powers. Yeah, but then and then that one character just gets absorbed into the other one. Yeah. <laughs> like... and she doesn't get a code name. She's still just Betty. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's man. It just feels like it's not. First of and all, this is, that's the whole final issue. Yeah. It's just with this whole series, weird things have happened, which we'll get to. But the last <laughs> issue is just only <laughs> them going one by one, giving the powers. And that's the whole one final of the characters, issue. One of the characters says, this is actual dialogue. I wrote it down. It almost seems anticlimactic. <laughs> they yes, just said yeah, in the last yeah, issue, yes. like, as if as if they realized, like, oh, we really shit the bed on this ending, didn't we? We should probably acknowledge this. <laughs> but you know, it's really funny how relevant this this series is right now, and it's very funny to me, like now knowing what I know that Bendis used the Millennium name in relaunching the Legion series, considering not that Legion is connected to Event Leviathan, but it's funny that Millennium pops up right as he's bringing the Manhunters back into the DCU. Yeah. Because the Manhunters are the primary antagonist in this series. Yeah. 
Which, by the way, that gets buck wild too. Oh, we'll we're going to gonna that, talk but... about that. <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing I want to say about this series is, uh, so full disclosure, I only read the main eight issue series. Did you all read any more? No, we had an agreement. Okay, gentlemen's I, agreement. Even I though sometimes the... people renege on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Vince broke I the may agreement. Have broken... Here's why I broke the agreement. Uh. Walt? Friend of the show, friend of the show, Walter <laughs> Richardson, DM'd me and said, "You need to read the Superman issues. The Superman issues are buck wild." Yeah, he he said the same thing to me, but I not, but I uh, <laughs> I, I followed our agreement. So you followed the pact. I broke the pact, but I promise I'll only spend. I'm only going to spend like two minutes talking about sure. those when when it comes to it. But um, okay, well, but the I, main I did series it does recommendation. The main series. Um, so the way this event was structured, it was weekly over eight weeks. Um, and I assume, I mean, that is right. Did it come out weekly? Cause it, it has like week yeah, one, week two. I believe so. Okay. Yeah. It actually, yeah, it did. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. even more insane to me now, considering like how many issues tied in each week. I guess yeah. it's like, I guess it's maybe not that many, but it is like at it least like four to six or, issues a week. Five or six a week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of stuff must have happened in those tie-in issues because, like, the issue-to-issue jumps are insane. Like, one issue will end with, like, one status quo, and then the next issue, it's, like, something completely different. Not only that, but unlike... Like, we just read Legends, right? And in Legends, Mm -hmm. everything that happens off-screen is either explained or you don't need to know it. Whereas here, it things are referenced. Like someone yes. will say, like you know, oh, it's a good thing Blue Beetle blew up the moon. I made that up. I didn't have to, but like, and you're like, wait a minute, what happened? Like there are these crazy things that are casually mentioned but never explained. And so I don't know what any character was doing outside of this, but it all sounds crazy. Can sure. I tell you? Can I tell you my favorite instance of that in the whole thing? Sure. It's towards the end where it, it's either like the sixth or the seventh issue, where. It's so unbearably clear that they didn't write enough story to last the eight weeks. Yep. On the very last page, like somebody abducts Tom Kalamaku. On the very last, like right before they're about to do the power ceremony. Totally forgot that happened. Yep. <laughs> well, and the reason is, is because like he gets abducted at the end of issue seven or whatever. He's back at the beginning of issue eight, which is all we would have read. So it was clearly just to pad out the other. It was to pad out the the weekly story, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. he gets he gets abducted for no reason, and in the very next issue, he's back, and nothing else really would have changed. So, it was like they needed to tie Penelope to the t- train tracks one last time to get through this, you know. Um, that's yeah, that's my favorite like useless uh, instance of that trope in this series. Uh, another another reason, another way right off the bat that I can tell that this was not like such little thought was put into all of this. The titles of each issue. <laughs> Have you, did you guys notice that? I did, but I can't remember now. The, yeah, the fir- I don't know. <laughs> the first issue is titled over. The second is titled under. Then, <laughs> hang on. Then back. Then forth. Then in. Then out. Then down and the rising and advancing of ten spirits. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically the Konami code, and then 
<laughs> and then an actual title. Okay. Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but but also. Ten spirits don't rise, though. No, they don't. No, they don't. They don't. That's, yeah, that's just it. The, and, like, oh. honestly, it feels like they're like, oh, shit, what are we going to call these issues? And it's just, it's Engelhart, like, drinking a scotch with his feet up in the air. And he's just like, how about up, down? Yeah, that's he's right. A, B, A, B. A, B, A, B, select start. Yeah. Contra, yeah. He's playing Contra and just answering his... Uh, deeper, whatever they back <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. So, should we go? We're probably not going to spend too much time on any one issue, but should we? Should we basically go through this a little chronologically? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the first first issue, and we're just going to be very brief about our summaries here. Uh, we kind of already explained that. Uh, the Zamoran, Nadia, and the Guardian, Harupa Hondo, who are recruiting uh, new, diverse human beings for this Millennium Project. That's a, It's supposed to advance Earth into the new Millennium. The hilarious thing about that is that they, they don't really ex- – they keep saying, like, you're going to take us into the new Millennium. They don't explain what that means at all until the end – where it's just you all get new powers, so you're like any other superhero. Except you're not popular at all, so you're not going to last. <laughs> you know, none of these characters are around anymore. <laughs> none of the new ones, anyway. A few a few make it to Invasion. And, yes. And Ex- Extraño was has in... been around. Oh, yeah. yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. But, yeah, yep, Steve Orlando was using him. You're, yeah. you're right. And, and... And, of, like, Floronic Man makes appearances, but he was already a it's character. Already. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so anyway, uh, the Guardians kind of give you their history of what they've been doing, uh, having sex and whatnot after <laughs> after a long drought. Um, and then, yeah, Zach, you already mentioned the, the Manhunters. Uh, every hero in the DCU ostensibly has their own manhunter that's been watching them in secret. And the twist here is that like the manhunters are, you know, regular citizens of earth who happen to be friends or acquaintances or live in the same place as each hero. Uh, most of them being relative unknowns, but even down to some like Lana Lang is yeah. Superman's. Manhunter. So everybody's got one Manhunter. Isn't Jim the Gordon end- a Manhunter? Yeah. Jim Gordon is a Manhunter. Yeah. Wally, Wally's dad. Wally's dad is a Manhunter. Um, um, and then, like Carol Ferris's dad, I think, is yeah, one or like somebody, yeah. somebody who works at Ferris. Uh, yeah. And then, like, you have certain heroes who side, like, with the Manhunters, or seemingly see. Okay, so I'm yeah, getting ahead a little yeah, bit, but like, oh, that, yeah, I'm glad you brought that. Up. Well, like Booster Gold in this, I don't understand what was happening. Like, I don't know if I was supposed to know whose side he was on. Was just he, reading this series, yeah, I, I feel like he changes sides so many times. I don't know. I, I don't know which side he was actually a part of. Right. Well, and then at the end, I, at the end, he's like, "I was faking the whole time." But like, he's basically doing Lex Luthor at the end of <laughs> Superman 2. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, Captain Adam <laughs> is kind of weird, too, because he's doing... Sorry, who, was, who was it? Captain, Captain Adam. Adam. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. yeah, 
because he's doing you know weird things for the government um which it's so weird that this is the follow-up to legends you know yeah yeah it's really weird um but anyway continue um so i was just gonna say that's how the first issue ends with basically all the the manhunters kind of revealing themselves uh to the reader not necessarily to the heroes um so so yeah anything anything about that or are we moving on to the second issue here i believe the second issue is where they go around and introduce themselves to all the characters right yes okay i have a lot to say about that issue okay the the only thing i wanted to say about like the manhunter reveal is that that's kind of a lot like um it i mean i guess it like reminds me in concept to all of like marvel's scroll storylines which i think that kind of that idea of like the secret infiltration thing you know that the like betrayal aspect is really interesting or can be really interesting but the way that this is handled is not very interesting at all no uh yeah so and and maybe the tie-ins were where that stuff was more interesting (laughs) (laughs) superman superman gets particularly buck wild i'm going to talk about superman after issue two because that's kind of okay it started it started in week two so yeah so i know that like I know that we have to be somewhat understanding to the people who make comics and that sometimes things are done because they are expedient and because they are make, you know, make for easier times for the people who are making comics. That said, they use the exact same panel of the Guardian and the Zamorin uh, inviting people down to the same bit of dialogue <laughs> ten times in the issue. Like, every time is a copy and paste job of the exact same panel. And it's what just... is this a Mitch Garrett's comic? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I just want to say something. By the way, we shit on Tom King a lot on this show, but Tom King did something very nice for a friend of mine last week. And this is this is a true story. Oh. Um, my friend owns Zap Comics in Wayne, New Jersey. Hi, Corey. And um, he had posted on Instagram all these all-ages comics. Like, it was probably 50 all-ages comics. And King replied and said, I'll take all the non-DC ones. I already have the DC ones. DM me your info. And then Chris Ryle from uh, IDW replied to and I'll take all the DC ones. So those two guys bought the store out of all these comics to help them out when the when Diamond isn't shipping. So, nice. good for you, well, Tom King. What awesome. I what I will say is I've said multiple times on the show, I'm sure Tom King is a fine fellow. <laughs> I just uh, sure yeah, it's just, but it's just the writing. I, I just figure like I I am quick to call him out on his bullshit, so I should be quick to praise him for when he does good stuff too. Indeed, so, that's all. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the the same the same panels over and over again. Um, but it felt like there are some movies that have like very purposely they use the same dialogue multiple times to get a point across but usually that happens two or three times and then you sort of see like the last sentence of it or whatever so it's not repeated but it's the exact same panel with all the dialogue you got all 10 times and then you don't gain anything storytelling wise from showing that panel over and over again but there yeah. it is <laughs> there it is yeah yeah so so issue 2 is basically it, it alternates between uh, Nadia and Harupa introducing themselves to the chosen ones, 
and Manhunters revealing themselves to the various heroes. So it starts with Lana uh, revealing herself to Clark. Then it flips to the recruiting of the uh, of Betty Clawman, the, the aforementioned Betty we talked about, um, a Japanese salaryman named Takeo Yakata. Uh, then Gordon reveals himself to Batman. <laughs> um, Harbinger is in this from, from The Crisis, plays yes. kind of an interesting role. Uh, kind of a stupid role. Like she basically, <laughs> she yes. accidentally is responsible for, for the everything? whole manhunter thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, which I actually kind of like. I liked that aspect of it actually. Yeah, but but like, explain how it makes any sense that like she. So as we know, as we saw post crisis, Harbinger's flying around trying to document basically a who's who of the new DCU post crisis, right? She takes this tome of history that she's created, which is basically kept in a golden globe or something, and throws it into space when she's done. <laughs> and she accidentally throws it right to the man, the hidden Manhunter planet that she doesn't realize is there. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I actually don't even like. I don't even remember the relevance of that. Like, why does that matter again? I don't because, even remember. Because that's how the Manhunters were able to find out the secret identities of the superheroes to then place Manhunters on each one of them. But that that also doesn't make any sense because, like, she just did that, like, what, a month ago? No, it was, like, three months ago. <laughs> okay, exactly. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. no, I mean, well, first of all, it's like, I believe, so if I'm not mistaken... And this is never really explained in the comic very well. Walt claims it was explained in the tie-ins a little bit better. It seems like <laughs> Lana Lang, I'm just using Lana as an example, right? That she was not a Manhunter since birth. That oh, she boy. Was, okay. That she was brainwashed at some point. It could have been recently, but that, that people near these heroes were brainwashed in the not-too-distant sure. past. Well... Except, like, Wally mentions that his dad was a Manhunter since, like, before he was born. I mean, I... You guys are going to flip when I explain <laughs> this. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Go okay, ahead. all right, all right. So the Superman uh, tie-ins to this reveal that... <laughs> I'm probably going to fuck this up a little bit, but... Please forgive me. I, I'm going to essentially get the, the overall point correct. Um, in Smallville, there is a doctor who uh, sees Clark in one of the first tie-in issues, the Superman tie-in issues, and he says to him, Ah, oh, Clark Kent, uh, I, 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 uh, I remember you having appointments with you, but, you know, you're the only... Baby in Smallville in my entire 45-year doctor career that I didn't deliver myself. Uh, he just randomly brings that up as a non-sequitur when he sees Clark. And then you find out that that's because the real, uh, like, neonatal doctor of Smallville was assassinated by the Manhunters and a <laughs> copy was put in his place. So that every baby that that doctor would deliver for the next 40 years or whatever would get a Manhunter implant put in. So that someday they would all be, be activated as Manhunters. Everybody, every baby in Smallville, except for Clark, because he wasn't born there, obviously. 
Then wait, 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 wait. Just time out. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I have a question that's important here. Yep. So is this because is the implication that every <laughs> obstetrician in the country had this done? Or did they know Smallville was special? And they, is this after Clark already landed there? They knew that Smallville was special because they saw Clark uh, uh, leaving the d- destroyed Krypton in his spaceship. The Guardians of the Universe intervened to prevent the Manhunters from stopping uh, Kal-El's ship from reaching Earth because they were going to try to. But they, but they saw that he landed in Smallville, and so that's why they sent the Manhunter to replace the Doctor there. Okay. <laughs> that's insane, right? Yes. Okay. Even more insane is that every adult member of... Uh, every adult person in Smallville, so everybody who was already there when the Manhunters first sent the fake Doctor down, uh-huh. was... Placed in a stasis chamber and hidden in a secret Manhunter base. So essentially every Smallville uh, citizen that you've seen post-crisis has secretly been a Manhunter while their adult body is somewhere in stasis. Okay, so let me just <laughs> – let, let me see if I'm understanding this, okay? So at some yes. point at the after this issue wraps up – or this event wraps up rather – Every yeah. adult in Smallville is going to come back to their lives <laughs> having lost f- 40 years, 30 years, 20 <laughs> years of their lives. And they have to like pick up where they left off with their lives, even though everything is different around them. Yes, but not before Superman accidentally kills them. <laughs> in <one of> the- <laughs> Wait a second, what? <laughs> Superman accidentally <laughs> Superman accidentally gets them blown up. <laughs> Wait, the the real ones or the or the android ones? The real the real ones that are in stasis. But then some Okay, I like I said I might be fucking this up a little bit, but then like somehow somehow the Spectre leads him to some like afterlife universe where he rescues them all. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) So Superman kills a town full of people. It's twisted. But then saves them. Yeah. And it doesn't matter at all. Does anybody remember this? So that that sounds weirdly similar to this the legend Superman tie-in. Yes. Where Superman kills a bunch of people and then forgets about it. <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah, that's right. That time. They make him forget yeah. about it. Yeah. 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 Whereas here yeah. he kill he kills a bunch of people and then he just gets the chance to undo it. Zack Snyder it. Zack Snyder was actually a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> he only had Superman kill one person. <laughs> Oh, man. Wild, wild. Well, so, like, I don't know which issue we're going to get to this, but this isn't, I mean, Superman, uh, this is wild. You don't get any of this from the main series, but um, Superman does go off for a while in this series, and I don't actually remember if it's, like, explained what he was doing. Maybe it was all of this. 
but then he comes back and batman has like saved the day and batman is like i'm so glad i fixed all this and you didn't do anything and i'm better yeah. than you yes <laughs> yep which is so weird <laughs> yeah yeah he's like i'm glad you weren't a part of saving this <laughs> they're they're very much in in batman v superman <laughs> yeah yeah Zack snyder was a visionary oh i guess this happened before all of that but um yeah. well maybe yeah Zack snyder was just adapting uh millennium we didn't yes. realize it <laughs> maybe maybe so um post presaged it really yeah yeah um, um okay so the re- the real thing with all the people of Smallville dying is that that also was a simulacrum. So Wait, like Super- Superman only appears to have killed everybody but it's really just another manhunter trick Wait, to try to like Hang on a second. So Superman goes to a like deep fake afterlife? Yeah, yes. The Spectre okay. takes him to this like black and white world. Yeah, it's very okay. Like Wait, I said, but, so like the Spectre wild. gets duped too, or is the Spectre a Manhunter? The Spectre is like showing him the truth, but of course the Spectre is always like sp- the Spectre is always like speaking in riddles or like oh, you know what I mean. Yeah, he can never come out and like <laughs> tell. He can never come out and tell the heroes what's actually going on. You know. Yeah. He's, this he's, is he's, wild. <laughs> He's, he's there's also stuff like uh like i can't i can't get involved too much like but specter get involved like, okay i will but i shouldn't yeah. do this and then he gets right. involved and before he can do anything of substance he goes sorry can't do this and he leaves <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that more when we get to invasion yes we will yeah okay the one last superman tie-in i want to talk about is uh superman number 14 where do you know the part in millennium we'll, we'll get to it but like there's a part where Superman and Hal Jordan like absorb everybody's life force. <laughs> yes. 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 That whole, the whole issue is about what happens after they absorb his life force and it's basically a big drug trip. Well, so that's another thing where like that happens in an issue and then the next issue <laughs> yeah. it they've already done it. It's fine. Yes. It's yep, back it's to normal. <laughs> they brought him back. It's back to normal. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yeah, uh, issue two, they're introducing all these characters. Um, you, we we see the uh, Peruvian man, the the very stereotypical uh, gay Peruvian man. Um, yeah, there's a there's a Russian who gets murked right away. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then also a Middle Eastern woman who gets murked also. Yes. Yep. Not so much murked as just killed by an angry mob. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, and they also introduced the aforementioned uh, colonialist South African racist man. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's truly a despicable character. Yeah, a very despicable character. And like like we already said, the, the, the comic never condones his actions and, and is pretty clear about him being a villain. It even teases at the it even teases at the end that he may go on to continue being a villain. I don't know if there were any stories after this written about him, but he seems like he's gonna be up to some villainous things post millennium. But the weird thing about it is that like he says all these awful things issue after issue. And they're still like, well, you, you got to be part of our future, too. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's no, like, 
hey man that's get out of here <laughs> you're I mean, to, to be fair a couple of the heroes are like this guy's a creep but the guardians are like we picked i'm sorry you know <laughs> yeah so <we laughs> which gotta... no yeah. logic behind why the, the guardians pick these people and and like at one point they mentioned that tara of the teen titans was supposed to be a pick yes. but she is already dead yeah and so they're like Number one, they're like, oh, how did we not know that she's dead? And then they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. We have alternates. Yeah, yeah. she's completely replaceable. Um, did she die in uh, Judas? Contract, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, Judas Contract. Um, After yeah, okay, by Deathstroke. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think at, I, regarding the south african guy i think at one point harupa says there's actually good people on both sides so <laughs> that's how they justify this um zach it's you said something about how there's really no reason for any of these people to be picked yes right okay i i, I wasn't gonna bring this up but it's kind of like it's you know how like characters like uh, uh carol danvers or uh, like Kamala Khan, mm-hmm. th- there are people that are just like, oh, those characters didn't earn their, they didn't earn their uh, capes and cowls or whatever, right? That like bullshit argument about, right? You know, which is which is clearly bullshit because if you read their stories, they're actually like super intricate. Some of the best stories that Marvel put out in the last decade, right? Um, it's 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 one of those bullshit arguments that people who want to like try to get away with casual racism try to use you know those arguments though are pretty valid for millennia <laughs> yep. because you're right they're just they're just drawing these characters out of a hat and 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 doing the most stereotypical versions of them written written by a white guy you know sure sure because it really is in this case just like okay you know, we need a lot of different ethnicities. What who can we have? Okay, well we're gonna have a Russian guy. We're gonna have a Chinese yep. woman, a Japanese man. Oops, a... and we accidentally picked a racist. Yeah, oops, <laughs> oops, one racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to lend any credence to that argument at all, but, but as I said before, like Millennium is like the the one mirror verse instance of this. Where it's like, okay, this is clearly the the intent may be good, but like nothing about the execution is pure or natural or makes any sense at all. <laughs> is that fair? Yeah, that's yeah, one hundred percent. Because they're they're also they're not they're not characters really. They're not. Um, no. They they have very few defining. Uh, you know, characteristics or traits outside of, you know, maybe an accent here or, you know, a few um, kind of generic um, origin things. Um, yeah, they, they're very poorly fleshed out um, over the course of the series. Yeah. One of the things I thought of, too, is how much more interesting this would have been if they tried to pull in and I know that maybe the idea is that like not all heroes wear capes hashtag, but like there are, there are Russian superheroes. There are Asian superheroes. Like if this was rocket red number seven and Katana and 
you know, whatever, you could at least have there be some more stakes built up for these characters. But because you're meeting sure. them for the first time, it just feels like, okay, I don't really know who this person is. All I know about them is their ethnicity or sexual orientation. And those things are so broadly drawn that it's not... I don't feel like I know anything about this character. I feel like all I know is what the writer thinks about this group of people. So if you took pre-existing characters, I mean, I guess Tom is the one example of that. And he's the one we spend the most time with because we know who he is. Mm-hmm. But that's also you also don't want to because that's also like an argument that people make. It's like, well, why don't you just use characters you already have? Well, the the world needs new characters too. you know, the, the oh, new diverse characters. Sure. Too. Look, sure I, I, yeah. I'm not saying this is a great solution, but I'm saying it would it, it would help with some of the problems of this. Of right. This series. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and it would go, go ahead. Zach. Well, I was just going to say it would be another thing if these characters then did go off to have, you know, the success or, you know, maybe that's un- unfair, but even like not necessarily the, the success, but at least the attention given to them that like Kamala Khan had or Miles Morales had, you know, sure. yeah. um, these characters were created and then dumped pretty quick. This is like new age of heroes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or very you know? or insert any of these things here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sure. Um, I was I was gonna bring up Far Sector as an example of like, there's a character that was brand new, nobody knew anything about, but first of all, like, you were you were given their, you were told they were a Green Lantern, and you were given this great costume design right off the bat. So like, two months in advance, people could kind of get excited about the potential of that character, and then like immediately, and of course, of course, a lot of this is. It, it do down to her being written by N.K. Jemison, right? But like, right off the bat in issue one, you get a better sense of her character than you ever do with any of these mm-hmm. characters, you know. And and yeah, it's down it's down to who's writing it, but also just the care that editorial is also putting into it, you know. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of care in this story for that. Sure. I, I will say there, there's an interesting thing that I noticed here and, and we'll talk about it, you know, when we get to invasion as well. Um, Legends was a very like, a, like U S centric story. It was like very much about like, it wasn't about really like earth's heroes. It was very much like the United States heroes and I, I wonder if it's just, like, the fact that Justice League has kind of moved into its international incarnation. But this is a series that's very... That DC in this era seems very interested in a global focus as opposed to a U.S.-centric focus, which is pretty interesting to me. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. There's some real Doomsday Clock vibes with that angle too yes big time yeah yeah which um i i would say like now i mean we are obviously well i don't know i don't know what it's like to be alive in the late 80s um i don't really know how globally minded most americans were um but um i i feel like comics now it's kind of a given that you will deal internationally but I, I kind of feel like we are still sort of 
American centric when it comes to Cape comics. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, less so like, I mean, I guess just like the very, by the very fact of having a international justice league at the time, it, it kind of precluded them to be more global in their storytelling, which would be kind of cool to come back to again. We need a new JLI. That's not written by uh, Dan Jurgens. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> Uh, yeah, isn't that who wrote the New Fifty Two one? Yes, okay, yes, yeah. sir. Yes, Godiva. Yeah, in that yeah. yeah. Godiva. Um, hubba hubba. Um, <laughs> uh, I, more on that when we get to Invasion too. Uh, next yeah, week, for sure. Yeah, we keep teasing this yeah. like we're doing a two-part episode, but we're not. We're not. We're not. No, no, we're no. Not. Uh, okay, so. Issue three. Um, issue three is kind of more of the same. It's it's uh, a lot of like the new characters dealing with whether they're whether they feel good about joining this Millennium Initiative. Um, it's also about the Manhunters starting to hunt these characters down. Right. Um, it's. I, I must say one of the one of the memorable scenes from this thing, and I don't mean it in a negative way. There's there's a few memorable negative ones, but uh, is when Wonder Woman encounters the racist South African, because I think that that is the perfect character to put up against a guy like that, because she she's fairly disgusted by him. Yep. Um, and so I thought that 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 was one like if you're going to have this, oh man. If you're gonna involve this racist character for some reason, I I, I think having Wonder Woman rebuke him is a, uh, you know that that was like one of the few good parts of this. I thought. Yeah. Sure. Oh, this is also where we're be t- where we're told that uh, with with ten choices they allowed for attrition. <laughs> <laughs> we thought some of you might die, so. Um. Yeah, but other than that, not much memorable from issue three. Uh, Ronald Reagan shows up. Man, Ronald Reagan is like the eighth most used character in the 80s <laughs> from DC Comics. He's in so many of these books. <laughs> they, they need to bring him back post-rebirth. Yeah. <laughs> while, while, he, while he comes out of the Dr. Man, the Tempest Fugginaut thing, carrying uh, Reagan on his back like Yoda. <laughs> I brought him back, guys. Yeah. Yes, and he's he's asking everybody if the trickle down happened yet. Yep, he's it didn't. Uh, he's, uh, I'm gonna stop myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. What else we got? Um. When do when do we get to the issue where they just count? That's uh, that's come that's coming up. I'm sure five or six. I think. Yeah. Okay, issue four. Uh, so at this point, there's eight of the chosen ten survivors. <laughs> One thing that I thought was funny is that in issue four, Batman says multiple times. Bo- Batman like broods in the background, and multiple times the the like focus of the panel will come up to him, and he'll just be like mumbling, "I don't like it." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't like any of this. And occasionally he'll and- say like. I don't like it. My outsiders or something or other. <laughs> like, yeah, he'll, right. He'll casually mention that he has another team. Uh, yes. But not really talk about them at all. Just uh, mention it. <laughs> I, did, I think it's an issue three, actually, where we see uh, Metamorpho turn himself into a giant parasailing uh, 
Like uh, Kite? Yeah, and then I think he dies. And then he dies, He yes. does die. Yeah, he does Metam- die. Metamorpho in, in this point is like half the Metamorpho we know and half Plastic Man. Yeah. Like making himself into stuff. Which is weird because they'll both be members of the uh, the Terrifics someday. That's true. Yeah, look at that. Um, this is also the issue where Mark Shaw uh, joins things. Again, bringing up like the, the event Leviathan, Mark Shaw, mm-hmm. Manhunter... Except here he's privateer at this point. This is where the Suicide Squad gets involved. Um, it's funny, this issue too is where the, the eight surviving Chosen Ones are told that this is their last chance to leave or reject the, the mission. Which we see is not true because <laughs> because as, as you mentioned, Tom Kalmaku at the end is like, ah, for, forget it, peace out. Yeah. And they're like, that's fine. Um, yeah. Yep. They're, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, okay. No harm, no we foul. Thought, we thought you might say that. Yeah. <laughs> they really are like, they're almost like cult leaders, except extremely like. Oh no. They're they not. Are, they're, they're not. It's they're a not. Cult. Yeah. yeah it, it is. Yeah. yeah. But they're not trying to keep anyone. You know. They're like. No. They're, they're like. No. We get it. <laughs> We're weird. We understand. They're very chill about all of this somehow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay, well, that, well, that's that's enough of issue four. Issue five, this is where... Issue five begins with uh, Nadia and Harupa saying, we are going to explain the universe to you now. <laughs> and boy, do they. Like, after reading this issue, we all really understand the universe, yes, right? True. We all have Stephen Hawking-level understandings of the machinations <laughs> of the universe and the cosmos. Well, we know that we know that one and two become three. Yes. Three becomes four. Mm-hmm. Four gives way into five, right? Yeah, I, I, I believe that's correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the amount of hippy-dippy bullshit. Oh, it is la- lazy. <laughs> I mean, I it sounded like I was joking, right? But that is basically the dialogue, like... Yeah, they'll they they yeah. just talk they just talk in numerology and don't explain any of it. Yeah, but because it's a twenty page comic, you get like two pages devoted to each number. Yes, essentially. Yes. <laughs> and, and and there's so much dialogue that you as a reader feel like you're supposed to be understanding it. You know what I mean? Like yes, yeah. A, a good. I'm not saying Steve Englehart's not a good writer, but this is not good writing. A, a good piece of writing that involved something like this would would have them begin with the numerology and then they would have it like just very minimal, if at all in the background so that the reader understands that they don't really need to understand it, you right. know? Right. In some way, the writer would take the focus off of it and just get across that the, that the characters are absorbing whatever this nonsense is, you know? But I really feel like, there was something in the eighties and I know this just from watching FX's the Americans, <laughs> But there, Zach, you've seen. Have you seen the Americans? I've watched a little bit of it. Okay, so maybe you haven't gotten to this yet. But at one point, like, there is a self-help seminar that some of the characters go to, and it's very hippy dippy type stuff, where it's like a, uh, it's almost like an evangelical gathering of people. But it's not. It's not religious. It's it's, you know, it's like self-help or like numerology or or cult of personality type stuff, right? Mm. It This feels so 80s in this way. Like, I, I'm convinced that Engelhart read a book or something that was about, like, 
the numbers one through ten. He or, went, and then he, he went to like a one day conference in a <laughs> in a ballroom of a shitty hotel. Yeah, and, uh, this is all cribbed from his notebook. He tasted a hundred different wines and cried into a shaman's arms behind a waterfall. <laughs> uh, well, you were gaming. It's a drill tweet. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can I before we get to Monday issue five? Can I just point out one thing I, I noticed in issue five? Yeah. So, Engelhart does this a lot, but there's the funniest instance of this is in issue five. He'll have two characters having a conversation. So, like you know, Vince is talking to Zach, and Vince says to Zach, you know, it's a good thing that we both didn't get the coronavirus. And then Vince <laughs> is thinking in his head, but what if I already have it? Like characters are talking and thinking at the same time throughout this entire book like it's always and the it's almost always contradictory thoughts where someone's saying something like they're, they're basically saying like they're they're expressing confidence and then expressing doubt in their thought bubble right but mm -hmm. the best example of this is superman is flying and he's about to land and he's by himself this is incredibly important he's by himself and he says out loud that burst was just guardian activity performing some sort of demonstration down there not another manhunter attack then he's thinking, this business with the Manhunters has opened my eyes to a lot. Like, <laughs> why is one thing said out loud and one thing thought? And then it goes on the whole page is in his mind. He's thinking things. But then the last panel, he, he thinks I. And then it says, what? Like, <laughs> there's just no reason for any of this. It's so weird. That but, sounds like something the Tick from the Amazon Tick series would say. Yes, exactly. Um, but I just feel like in the 80s, and Engelhart's really guilty of this, the the thought bubble was used to try and give characters depth all the time, but it usually just makes them seem schizophrenic because they're <laughs> expressing totally different thoughts out loud and in their heads. Mm -hmm. And the, ba the, 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 the back and forth jerking of characters in the plot, like, you know, like, like you said, Brian, from one issue to another, the status quo will seem to completely change because we didn't necessarily get the greater context. But also, like, even if we did, that's still an incredibly short turnaround time, right? right. So beyond the dialogue, this story just feels so schizophrenic, too, Um you know, like it's just like like things are just going back and forth constantly, and 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 not in a way that necessarily follows like a logical or satisfying narrative pattern. Yeah. Yeah. No. Anything else for issue five? Um. Zach, Zach wants to. No, because here's Zach... the thing: we have to take a break. So I was going to take a break now. Um. Uh, yeah, I just think yeah, issue five is. The whole of it is just basically this like Ayah ayahuasca journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's like peyote induced yeah. vision quest. Yeah, yeah. I, we we can take a break. Johnny Cash to show up with a fox and the, or coyote <laughs> rather, and uh, speak to them. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll finish talking about this piece of shit. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach, and I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, 
discussing the highs and lows from the Viz anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back, and uh, uh, I almost call this Armageddon, which is not for two weeks. Uh, Millennium, number six. Go for it, Vinci. Okay, so this is where um, the heroes start chasing the High Master, who is the leader of the Manhunters. He's like the gigantic Manhunter. Um, it's also where, so like they're in space, and they get beat up pretty badly, and so to travel, to, to, to get out of this jam... Everybody gives their life energies to Hal and, and Superman. We already kind of talked about that. Um, the chosen ones with the with the guardians are are basically like they're doing like transcendental meditation. Basically, at this point, they're the Beatles in in uh, India. Um, <laughs> I don't think know, I don't think any of them wrote any music as sublime as. Uh... As uh, Mother Nature's son or Rocky Raccoon, though, so. <laughs> um, yeah, let's see. Uh, what else happens <laughs> in this issue? Um, the <laughs> the this is where like the racist guy. Oh, th- this is interesting. It's not good, but it's interesting. <laughs> the when the chosen come out of their like transcendent states. <laughs> the South African racist guy is basically like, this is all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. he, he, ba- he basically says, um, you guys are all SJWs, I'm leaving. Because <laughs> he talks about like, it's interesting because he talks about how he, he was in the transcendental state. And he sees how beautiful and simple and unified the future could be. And that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He's like, objectively, this is all very good, but, you know, that's not the way the world is, so. <laughs> no, nor is it the way that he wants the world to be. Right. Like he's, he's basically saying, like, yeah, I could see the point for this, but no way. Yeah, I mean, he's he's totally, he's like the, um, oh boy, I don't want to name any names, but there are people out there who are like, look, I, you know, the idea of free healthcare for everybody sounds great, but... Instead, you got to be crushed under the, uh, you know, <laughs> under the heel of the, capitalism. Yeah, yeah, under the heel of capitalism type thing. You know, like um, he's ba- actually he he basically becomes like a, a Alex Jones figure because he starts ranting about the globalists. Yeah, yeah. Um, at one point, um, so John Stewart uh, gives him a knockout punch. I think towards the end of this issue, and. Uh, Oh, they also, for, for no reason other than to extend the story a little bit, they discover that the Manhunters were actually not coming from space to invade Earth, but that they were in the Earth's core. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, again, makes no sense, but okay. Um, okay, issue seven. Uh, this is where they enter like the, the ocean floor. They go into the rift in the, in the Earth's crust. And they find the Manhunter's lair, and they have their big fight, right? Um, 
<clears throat> this is where Booster does his like double double cross. Yep. Um and the heroes the heroes of Earth that we know, like Superman and the Green Lanterns and Wonder Woman, they're all the ones who are like fighting the Manhunters and beating them while the chosen people are still hibernating on the at the Green Lantern Citadel, right? Yeah. Um Oh yeah. So so every so they they beat the Manhunters, everybody returns for this ceremony for the chosen people. And this is where at the last minute Booster uh grabs actually the the Chinese there's like a Chinese diplomat. Booster grabs the Chinese diplomat and flies away on the last page. And then in the next issue like the they're just back. So so I didn't read the tie-ins. I don't know why Booster did that, but it's again it's like the ping pong uh storytelling that we endured through throughout this thing. Yep. Um Okay, but I know you guys have been wanting to talk about Millennium Number Eight, the rising and advancing of the Ten Spirits, <laughs> which, admittedly, is a great title. It's yes, a it great, is. it's a great, if not completely non-factual title. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So hang on. I'm actually going to pull up my issue of this. Okay. So, so that we can uh, we can get okay, a deeper I, read here. I, I will too. I will too. Okay. Um, so I do want to say that I think there is a lot of value to creating new characters, as Vince said. There's a lot of there's a lot of value to um, to creating diverse characters. There's a lot of value to a lot of this, and this issue is probably the least offensive in terms of how they handle all these different characters. Not that they're not that it's not offensive, but it's the least offensive of it. But like I, so I, I had read this like a week and a half or two weeks ago, and just opening up and looking at it now, so much of this is offensive just from the first page yeah. too. <laughs> so uh, the 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 Chinese lady becomes Gloss, yes. the character Gloss, who who we will see in Invasion, and I don't know how much long she longer she lasts after that, um, but it can't be much longer because I wasn't familiar with Gloss. Look how long her toes are. <laughs> Is it just me, or does she kind of... Um, Is she kind of whitewashed when she becomes gloss? Well, I almost it's got... hard to say. Her skin color is the same, but she becomes a lot more um, aquatic. It's 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 weird because she 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 definitely transforms, and at times it almost looks like she's no longer Chinese at all. Well, she, and then, her, and then her, other times, other yeah. times she is. You know, like no, she looks more... I can't. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's very hard to say. I mean, yeah. it's, she... it's also distracting that she basically has uh, an open uniform down to her vagina. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a terribly drawn horribly sexist outfit yeah i wasn't gonna say it yeah. yeah it's weird mm-hmm. bad. not starting off on the best foot no and um, then the uh the japanese salary man becomes ram random access memory uh, i believe the original name for this character was ram v but they had to uh <laughs> 
they presage the writer in the future going by that name. He, he, he gets he gets thick. Like yes, he does. <laughs> With two C's. Yeah. <laughs> like like look at that bottom panel. Yep. It's just like look at that bottom. Like those glutes. Oh like look oh at that. Boy. Oh boy. Uh. The thing that this made me think of was the, um, you know, form, former former Green Bay Packer, rest in peace, uh, Reggie White, uh, the min- the Minister of Defense, uh, former you know Hall of Fame sack artist, once gave a speech because he's he was very like uh, religious. He would speak. He would do like religious uh, speeches or whatever. He once did a speech where he talked about how you know at each. Each uh, type of person, each each race or whatever, has their own talent. And he said that – now, I'm repeating this. This is not me saying this. This is Reggie White. <laughs> he said Japanese people can turn a watch into a telephone. <laughs> and that just makes me think that, like, the reason that this guy becomes a computer is along the same line of thinking <laughs> – uh, once again, maybe this issue is less problematic, Brian. But uh, yeah, st- still, you read between the lines, and it's still <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh, there's a lot of problems here. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I forgot that Extraño was a character we've seen recently is because Steve Orlando's Extraño was so, uh, so different from this stereotypical character well, that we got. We have to say something very, very clear here, too, which um, his name is Extraño, which means strange, and he is just Doctor Strange. Like, He's Doctor Strange, yeah. There, there was no hiding the fact that they were just <laughs> making Doctor Strange. They they were flaunting it in Marvel's face so much, they basically called him Doctor Extraño. Like, just, yeah. you know, there is no hiding who this is supposed to be. They even have a character say, like, well, your name means strange, yep. so... Take that, Stan. Yep. And there, he he has a really funny line. Um, let me see if I can find it. Extraño, the Spanish for strange. How very right that is. I am strange, wondrous strange. And the use of Spanish when we all speak English here makes it even clearer. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Again, again, like heart maybe in the right place, but <laughs> but who knows? Uh, Hard to say. Uh, we should um, also say how horrible the uh, the aging guardian looks here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He looks like in in, Yogurt. The, in the Last Crusade when the guy drinks from the wrong grail and he gets really old really fast. That's what this looks like. He becomes yogurt from Spaceballs. <laughs> and a little bit of the abominable Dr. Fibes. If anybody knows what that is, that's a good call. So. <laughs> one of the funniest things you've ever said, Brian, is that Yoda in episode one looks more like yogurt. yogurt. Yeah. <laughs> he looks more like yogurt than yogurt does. Yeah. <laughs> I stand behind that. Okay, all okay. right. So, so then we get the character that just gets absorbed into Extraño. Yep, Betty, Betty Klaman. Uh-huh. Um, it's said that she embodies the world through Extraño, which, what the fuck does that yeah. mean? 
they forgot nope. what they were going to do with her and they had to figure it out. And so, <laughs> yep. Which is so funny. They didn't even give 10 people powers, but they already <laughs> had to give someone a bogus made up power. That like... <laughs> yep. Oh, oh. Uh, one of them becomes this uh, electromagnetic character named Jet. I think Jet is the only good one. See, I'm confused personally. here because I thought she was a lady suffragette. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. I knew it. I'm the McCartney boy. How could oh, I Zach, do that? Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. Zach, that's a Paul McCartney reference. Okay. You're too young. Uh... <laughs> Son came up before either of us were born. <laughs> either of our parents were married, and yet still, Zach's too young. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Harbinger decides that she's going to be Tom Kalmaku's re- replacement. Which, which they're just they're fine with it. Yep. They're like, all right. No. But no, then no. also, but then she's but not she refuses, though. She refuses. Yeah. They they say they say Harbinger, you can do it, and, like, and she's like, fuck off. Nope. <laughs> not not learning all that. Not only does she say stuff. fuck off, she then splits into twenty people and basically gives them all the finger as she flies by. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Then they do say that they give Tom his power, but in latent form. So that does happen. By the way, just everyone go to that page where Tom is getting the power, and the Guardian and the uh, the Zamorin, both of their hands are just over his crotch while giving him powers. <laughs> where do you... <laughs> the powers are stored in the balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's looking at his hands, and their hands are pointed at his balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay um okay. <clears throat> then we get the scene of the the racist uh colonialist guy uh now with a cape now with a cape yeah he definitely leans into like the dr doom not like he's going full-on nazi mm-hmm. here yeah and he basically teases like i know i know their secrets now so i'll be able to watch them and stop this or whatever um, but again, I don't know if that's ever paid off on. I'm looking after that this. up now. I feel like he might have been the villain of the New Guardian series. Okay, okay. I'm Boy, making I can't, that up. I can't wait it. till I have to read that yeah. for my for my thing. Um, yeah, and then uh, uh, Harupa and Nadia having completed their life's work. Uh, rot away and die <laughs> instantly <laughs> before they see if any of this pays off at all. Yep. And should, that's when mention a character we see on this page is the really creepy looking, the like the Green Lantern character who was in, like, was he was he dead? Was he in stasis? And now he just kind of barks. Do you yeah. Know what about? Yes. Yes. Yep. The one who looks like uh, Warlock from uh, Yes, X-Men. yeah, yes. yeah. Which I really thought that they were going to make him a Guardian, but they didn't. Yeah, uh, I don't know why he shows up if not for that purpose. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, on this last page, uh, where is it? Where is the anticlimactic thing? It said somewhere in these last few pages. I got to find it now. Um, uh, well, it's Jet. It's Jet on the double-page spread. She says, yeah. 
she says, well, I'm not going to read the patois that she says it in um, Mm because that would be problematic. But she Mm -hmm. says it seems sort of anticlimactic now. And then Bruce has a great line where he says, I'd thank God for that if I were you. There will be plenty of new climaxes in the days ahead, which is basically like Rodney Dangerfield at the end of a movie saying, hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. Yep. Oh, see, I I thought it was uh, – I, I read it as um, that's what the money is for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you never say thank you, Brian, for all the work we do. That's what the retweets the are for. Ah, yeah. What what retweets? Um, that's what the f- tractors are for. <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, and that's it. The millennium has come. They're ready for you now. Yeah. Uh, the final final words. Of this. Um, yeah. Thing. So there was there was one thing I wanted to bring up that I just I have not read enough Infinity Inc. to know, and I really should have re- included Infinity Inc. in my JSA read through, but I haven't been doing it. Um, why was Mr. Bones rhyming like he was Etrigan? That's um, that's part of his character. That's the, the not director, director Bones not, isn't not now. No, not in the most that's recent not, incarnation. Is that, is that director Bones? It is. Yes, that's not a different character. No, it's not. No. Oh, okay. I thought in it was the early like a different... JSA stuff, they talk about how he how he was part of Infinity Inc. and how he killed the original Star Spangled Kid. Um, yeah. Same character. Yeah, and but he has been known to rhyme before. I, I don't think he does that anymore because I think somebody decided it was redundant with, um, Etrigan, with Etrigan. You know. Yeah. But I, I I'm sure I've seen that elsewhere. Actually, they may have even <clears throat> like in the New Fifty Two slash Rebirth era, they may have paid lip service to that, like as a joke or something. Even though he doesn't do it all the time. Like I feel like there was an issue where he gets like disoriented and he starts rhyming or something like that. I I don't remember that at all. But I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I just don't remember it. Yeah. So I, it I just like, know that. Way, was, it looks you know, like the, the New Guardians made their last appearance in an issue of Green Lantern in 1993. Like these New Guardians. Mm. Um. 1993. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's about time for them to come back. Yeah. Not really. Um, so we didn't – the one thing we didn't really talk about in all of this is the art. And mm-hmm. I think, frankly, like I, I don't want to rely on saying this too often, even though I do think like it tends to be something that event books are guilty of or crossover events are guilty of. I just think it's kind of just okay, standard, workmanlike art. You know? Yes. Yeah. There's nothing unexpected here artistically. When you compare it to even just the Superman uh, tie-in issues that I read, which featured art from John Byrne and Jerry Ordway, among a couple others maybe, it it, it feels less special compared to even those. It does. Um, You know, John John Byrne's is so kind of like, exciting and jumps off the page and Jerry Ordway is doing some really interesting stuff in, in, in his tie-ins. Um, but, uh, you know, this stuff is just, you know, no offense to, to Joe Staten meant, but it's, it's just very standard workmanlike. Like this is what you would describe, uh, 
as like house style DC at the time. Yeah, this is this is just mm-hmm. classic mid eighties mid level DC stuff. Um, I will say that, like, presumably he got to design a lot of new characters, and I think like not really many of them turned out very well. <laughs> I hate to say it. Um, like again, I think it relies a little bit on stereotypes and and visually, you know. And, and like you said, Brian, with the the very odd uh, gloss costume. I mean, some of that is just uh, unfortunately female characters of this era were almost always drawn in weirdly sexualized costumes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. One of the things I did want to talk about that this book does is it brings almost every character in the DC universe in for a panel here or there. Like, Dead Man shows up, the Challengers of the Unknown show up. Like, throughout these eight issues, you do get a pretty good sense of sort of the overall DC universe. And I like that in a in an event, I like when you get to see sort of how it's touching on all these different corners. But we don't get a lot of time with anybody, really. Mm. Right. Um... I have an answer for the D- director bones thing. Okay. He stopped speaking in rhyme when he became director of the DEO. Okay. Which happened in JSA. I think it was Jeff Johns JSA. It run. was. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, there you go. He, I guess he had to become a professional. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Any last Millennium thoughts? Well, I know Zach just can't wait to stop talking about this. Yeah, I can't. We've talked so much longer than I expected to about this <laughs> awful book. Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, Invasion. And we, we are only reading the three invasion issues because they are 80 fucking pages each and so we have we have stuff to do we can't be reading all these other comics but uh, i think the invasion conversation will be a very different conversation tonally than this one yeah Um, oh it will yeah until then you can find uh two-thirds of us on twitter i am at brian needs a nap and i am at wilker fox if you need to find vince you can find him at your local tattoo parlor where he's getting each of the new guardians tattooed onto one uh one part of his body or another so that when he does like a mad magazine fold in of his back you can see the whole new guardians <laughs> yeah plus in, in the clouds he's going to have the dead members too like waving yeah yeah it's gonna be beautiful (laughs) we'll post a picture in the show notes when it's all done yeah alright thanks for listening folks we'll see you next time for Invasion bye there's a scene where basically uh, every every Michael Keaton but the real Michael Keaton has sex with his wife within like an hour period And the wife is Andy McDowell. Yes, and of course. Bless her heart. Yeah.